Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and you can find us in the video format at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. We hope you will check out all, us on all those uh, locations. Drink, what's going on, man? Great to have you along. Hey, man, you know, another fruitful Friday. We back up in here, to, you know, doing what we do. What's going on over there with you and yours, man? Oh, busy, 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 trying to catch up on so much of that great action last night, just like the game we're about to get into. And shout out to Miami for doinking a field goal for Virginia. Much appreciated. That program continues to spiral. But anyway, a whole lot of things that actually matter to get into here shortly. <laughs> Man, I, hey, that's true. That's true. I was about to take a shot at Manny Diaz. I ain't going to do it, though. But with that said, hey, another day, another dollar. We back in here again. We're going to give the streets what they need. We see what they don't, and you know we're going to say what they want. And uh, set your plates because it's time to eat. And last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. And as always, let's roll, Jay. All right. This is episode eight of season three where it's Brady versus Belichick. NFC West Rob is going to battle out for first place, and we preview a jam-packed weekend in college football. We're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the, one of the uh, I'd have to say, worst Thursday night uh, matchups of the season. You did have two uh, you know, young, up-and-coming rookie quarterbacks with uh, Joe Burrow coming off the big injury and uh, the rookie phenom, number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville goes up 14-0 in this one at the half, but Cincinnati – Takes it to them in the second half. They outscore them 24-7 in the second half. They win the game on a last-second field goal. Cincinnati scores on all four possessions in the second half. Uh, Joe Burrow led them with uh, 348 passing yards. He threw two touchdowns. Joe Mixon had a rushing touchdown. Big gains for Tyler Boyd. He had nine for nine catches, 118 yards. And C.J. Uh, Yazama, something tells me he's going to be popular on the waiver wire this week. Uh, five catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. It was Probably Trevor Lawrence's best game thus far because he didn't turn it over. 17 for 24 for just over 200 yards. James Robinson had 18 carries for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Anyways, drink. That's uh, about all the numbers I probably have room for. Does this game uh, have you taken the Bengals more seriously, or do you need to see more before you uh, take them seriously? Okay, so before I answer that question, I got to ask you, Okay, you said this was one of the worst um, Thursday night games. Well, why did you? Why was it one of the third worst? It's, Cincinnati, the worst it's Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Okay, yes. so you caught you caught up in the names, but the game yes. itself yes. wasn't that bad. Right, I agree. With, I agree with that. I'm just talking about it as far as like you show you show me a promo of this game. I mean, if it wasn't for this show I, and like you know our buddy down in Jacksonville, I, I'm sleep. I'm sleeping on this one. That's that's why. <laughs> All right. So, listen, I, I I personally thought, you know, the NFL been either they've been very lucky this year or the scheduling department really know what they're doing. Um, I, I think all the primetime games thus far this season have been pretty competitive, pretty compelling. And these are two teams that we ain't jumping up for joy to talk about. But, you know, they, they play the game. And I mean, listen, this game came down to a field goal. Uh, so with that said, you know, I, I thought it was pretty competitive. Now, to your question, it wasn't necessarily this game that made me believe in Cincinnati right now. It was actually last week's game that made me believe in Cincinnati against the Steelers. Um, I would say because of last week's game against the Steelers and then what I seen with that couple with 
Jacksonville not quite knowing how to connect the dots yet. I figured Cincinnati was going to come in here, steamroll Jacksonville. But Jacksonville said, hold up. We are an NFL team. We do got an NFL talent. And let us work. Let us do something. So that, that's where I start. That first drive, Trevor Lawrence, he, can't, he, he didn't look like he had the shakes all that much. Um, he was getting the ball out. DJ Chart get hurt. You know, his number one receiver get hurt. On the fourth play of the game, you think, oh, man, all right. That's probably the end of that. But uh, let me tell you, man, this, this guy should know <laughs> he came to play. He really came to play. Um, listen, I know that when he was in uh, Colorado, when he came out of Colorado, he was this big phenom for the Pac-12, and he was going to be, you know, one of the better wide receivers to come out of the Pac-12. And I was hearing all this, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. He kind of small, but let, let's see how it worked. I want to say this, like, either his second or third year in the NFL, one or two. Um, I know his first year he was pretty not present, as they say. Um, but last night, man, I got to give him his flowers, man. He he showed proof. Um, the Another guy, uh, Arnold. Um, I don't know. What the, I think it's Dave Arnold or David D Arnold. Or Dan something Arnold. Something Arnold. Dan Arnold. There we go. Arnold, um, yes, once again, players on the Jaguars is, is how I feel about how you feel about the Jaguars in general. Like, like, some of the players, I'm like, uh, if it wasn't for this show, I wouldn't be talking about it. But, yeah, here we are. Dan Arnold, uh, I thought, listen, he only had two catches for 29 yards. But the thing is, is with his two catches, they came at critical times for a young quarterback. And I think it's little things like that is how you pick yourself up off the mat. Now, granted, most of Jacksonville action came in the first half of the game. Most of Cincinnati's action came in the second half of the game. So it was a tale of two halves when you watch this game. Jacksonville go up 14-0. People like myself like, I know good it got. Well, that the Jacksonville Jaguars ain't finna blow somebody out on a primetime game on the road. I know I ain't looking at this right now. And then the second half came and Cincinnati said, hey, hey, hold on, drink. No problem. Sit down, man. You're overreacting here. And they set me down promptly. Um, and then, you know, Joe Burrow came out here, dropped, hey, shall I say, he was turned back the, 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 the clock a little bit. And uh, he came out here and he was tossing it over the field. Um, I like how he's spreading the ball. Joe Mixon came alive in the second half, even though he got hurt in the fourth quarter. He kind of took himself out of the game. But he came alive in the second half. And shall I say Tyler Boyd, the guy that's unforgotten now because of the, the acquisition of Jamar Chase. Um, he Listen, this dude, he got to be like, you know, one of the top three, top four slot receivers in the league. Um, I know, I think of him, I think of Tyler Lockett right offhand, um, guys like that. But, hey, man, hey, I like what I seen out of Tyler Boyd. I thought he came through. He made, you know, so many catches for Burrow. He kept Burrow on track. Jamar Chase finally came along. And let, let me give it, let me give some of that love to CJ. Oh, CJ out there. You know, every time he touched the ball, it felt like a touchdown. I mean, mm -hmm. like, my God. He, this man, Yak, was something to uh, see out there. Because when he caught the ball, he turned right up the field. He found the end zone. Five catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. But his, the average for each catch being 19 yards tells you, like, when when he got the ball, he did something with it. And, listen, he had five catches. He only got targeted six times. So, he was doing his job out there, folks. 
So it was a lot to like from Cincinnati. This is why I believe that Cincinnati could make some noise in their division. We were just talking about it before the show. Yeah, I might be a little premature, but I want to be premature because if, if the Bengals does turn out to be this team that I think they might be, I want to be able to say, I seen it in week <laughs> four. I seen it in week three. Not wait till week eight or nine. Yep. When, oh, well, of course they good. No. So I'm, I'm looking at it, and it was like I said, it was a lot of good things. Now, I don't know if Mixon going to be out for some time. Um, I do think he's a big part of their offense. But if, if he's fine, I, I, man, I, I tell you, I really like what I see with Cincinnati as of now. That defensive line was pretty impressive. Um, you know, the secondary, listen, I, I, I heard a couple of names out there, and I was like, Eli Apple. Yeah, I'm over the – as soon as I hear Eli Apple, I'm over the secondary. I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Shoo, I don't know. Um, so, it, it, you know, but the defensive line, I, I mean, I, I even – I get, even get a linebacker core a little credit. I, I thought they played pretty well um, in the second half. In the first half, it was just like, what, what are we doing? You really finna let Jacksonville go up and down. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that was on the defense as a whole. But, you know, long story short, to answer your question, I do think Cincinnati would be a surprise team. I just got to see them against the likes of the Browns in their division. I want to see them see what they do with the Ravens. I, I I honestly think the Steelers goose might be cooked. I, I mean, unless this offensive line just all of a sudden wake up and become the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so I, I think the Steelers are probably in the hurt locker right now. So I think this division, you know, I, it's up for grabs between those other three teams. Cincinnati got a chance. I do think they could be legitimate. Just give me, give me one more game. With, give me one game with the Ravens, one game with the Browns, and then at, after those two games, I'll be ready to. Um, let you know how I really feel about the Bengals. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm certainly not ready to go uh, all in on Cincinnati. Although that's a it's a great point. Like if you want to go out on a limb and like you know roll the tape back a month later, uh, you know a month down the line and say, hey, I was right. I got on the bandwagon. Ain't no more room. Get off here. Like it's that, that's that's a good way to be. Um, you know, three and one, it, it's definitely an accomplishment. And I look, I look at Cincinnati, and I say, look, this is a team right now. If nothing else, like you have to respect them. Like I can't just laugh them off the program. You know, they're 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 leading the show today because of Thursday night football. But also, we're talking about them first because they won the game, and uh, you know they played. I thought the first half they got. Uh, I thought Jacksonville, you know, pushed them around a little bit with uh, James Robinson and the the, the uh, Jacksonville offensive line. But they, I mean, they certainly, I don't know what Zach Taylor said in the locker room, but uh, they came out and they responded and they, uh, you know, they played with a different level of purpose. Uh, but you got to, you, you do have to acknowledge that this is their second, their uh, second win and three wins where they've needed a last second field goal. Uh, their game so far, they, they beat Minnesota in overtime. We know Minnesota has been struggling. Chicago, they lost that game by three. We, we, we don't know what we don't know what to make of, uh, of Chicago because we don't know what quarterback they're going to trot out. The Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh game, I think that really matters because that's a team that has pushed you around in the division for seemingly this entire uh, century thus far. So they're good, especially especially at Heinz Field. So to go to Heinz Field and win that one by two scores, I think it's a big deal for the confidence. I mean, you beat Jacksonville. Jacksonville's just, I mean, Jacksonville's just, they're not very good. I mean, we can't, we really can't sugarcoat it. But I think, you know, there, look, there's a, there's some winnable games coming up. I think the, I think the game next week against Green Bay, that, that'll tell us probably the most we know about 
um, this Cincinnati team. But look, after that, you do you got a three game road trip, but you should be you should be favored at the Lions at the at, I mean at Baltimore. Baltimore will probably be favored in that one, but that's I mean if you believe in the Bengals, then you probably believe that's a game that they'll have a chance in. And then you should be able to go on the road and beat the Jets because the Jets are awful too. But then after that, it's going to get difficult because you're going to have Cleveland. Then you're going to then you get the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, the 49ers, the Broncos, the Ravens again, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So that that is that's going to be one of the that's going to be a tough stretch, you know. From so you better stack some more wins. Like I don't think if you're talking about this team has a chance to you know make a playoff spot or definitely if you think they got a chance for the division, uh, they're going to have to reel off some wins in the next four weeks. Like. Detroit and the Jets, you can I don't think you cannot lose those games. Just like if you feel this way about the Bengals right now, you couldn't have lost last night's game. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's where I'm at on Cincinnati. I think um I think the most impressive thing I like about them is I mean, Joe Burrow looks like an NFL quarterback. Like he looks like he gets it, like it doesn't look like the moment's too big for him. Um, you know, even before the injury last season, he looked to be, you know, fairly comfortable. He's got he's got a decent assortment of weapons. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, the preseason drop issue. It doesn't look like he's having that anymore. I think you're really seeing that their chemistry from the LSU days is really, um, you know, taking fold. The offensive line, from what I can tell, and I know Jacksonville is no defensive juggernaut, but I mean, Cincinnati's offensive line held its own. Uh, they, you know, did a way to, you know, open up some lanes for Joe Mixon as the night as the uh, night went along. And yeah, you said it, Tyler Boyd. Uh, He's really, he's really good. He's got to be one of the more underrated guys in the league that people, you know, across the country don't know about. Uh, I thought Uzama's uh, performance was eye-opening. And, of course, we already talked about Jamar Chase. So, if nothing else, I'm a believer at this point in Joe Burrow. Um, it's just a matter of does he have enough around him? And, you know, is Zach Taylor, you know, is he a guy you can believe in? I'm not sure about that yet. You know, I know he worked under Sean McVay, but I'm not ready to go all in on that just yet. Um, but also to their credit, you know, they had, they were missing a couple of key guys last night. They were missing T Higgins, one of their, another one of their good what young wide receivers. And then Jesse Bates, a really good safety out there, you know, for the Jacksonville side. I mean, this, this, this was certainly encouraging because they were in the game in the first three weeks. Um, I mean, Houston kind of just, I think Houston surprised everybody with how they played in week one, beat them up, uh, Against Denver, Denver's defense was just too much for the for the young quarterback. Uh, Arizona, I mean, they were kind of in the game at the beginning, but uh, you know, as time went along, I don't think they stood much of a chance. This was really the first time where Jacksonville came out and it looked like they belonged on the field with the team they were playing. Played a really good first half. I thought their defense was highly impressive. Um, you know, they only had I think they held Cincinnati below 100 yards in the first half, and then. You know, it's a tale of two halves. I mean, just like for Cincinnati, Cincinnati played the second half. Jacksonville played the first half, and the second half was the second half was a question mark. Um, they they could not get a stop in the second half, as I mentioned earlier. Cincinnati had the ball four times. They get three touchdowns, and then they kick the game on a field goal on their fourth and final drive. So, you know, I'm just I'm overall I'm looking at Jacksonville, and I'm like, man, that's you know, we thought coming in. I mean. Jacksonville was we knew they were awful last year we I think we I expected their offense to be better um and I, I figured they'd struggle on defense but I mean this was one of their one of their more winnable games and when you're a team like Jacksonville I mean you start looking at this schedule and you got to wonder like when's the next chance we're gonna have for a win you might have to go to the end of November because that's when you get Atlanta and then in December 
you get a, a day after Christmas present against the Jets that I, maybe you'll win that one. You know, at this at this point, like, you know, I know we both had questions about Trevor Lawrence. I think we've been vindicated to some degree. I mean, let's face it, that, that last night was a dude's best performance. And it was simply because he didn't turn the ball over. You know, I'm looking at what he's doing right now. And I thought he I thought he played pretty well last night, especially in the first half. But I think far too often, and I'm sure this has to do with some of the personnel around him. But it seems like if if you know if the ball doesn't come out on time and things get really dicey, and the guy's got really good mobility, but if the ball's not able to come out on time, then it seems like it get a little sketchy back there. Like he out here scrambling and he's out here retreating like 20 yards, and then he's just you know throwing the ball all over the place. It just it doesn't look like they're there yet. I think you know losing DJ Chark, that's that's certainly I don't think that help matters. I did like what I saw from Dan Arnold. I'd like to see them utilize him a bit more. And of course, Chenault, he was pretty impressive last night. I like what they do in the quick game with him. Uh, but I think, you know, if Jacksonville moving forward, I think they got to look at the first half of that tape last night. And they got to, they got to, you know, be in the mold right now of, you know, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's rookie year. Because like, I think, I think they're more set up to be a physical running football team. Because when they, I mean, they were pushing Cincinnati around last night in the first half. James Robinson was, you know, he was chewing up four or five, six yards seemingly every play. And I felt like they got away from that in the second half. Uh, and then, you know, my last point about Jacksonville is, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to be hard on Urban Meyer. I mean, Urban Meyer is a guy who in college, you know, he, it hasn't, it doesn't take, uh, it hasn't, I don't think it's ever taken Urban Meyer a great deal of time to have success at any particular stop, this is going to take some time. It's going to take some time. And you wonder with a guy who, you know, had to step away for health reasons at places like Florida and Ohio State, and maybe it was more than health due to, you know, whatever shenanigans was taking place, you know, whether it's Zach Smith or, you know, whatever else is going on. We, I, I don't know. But, I mean, I just there, – there's one point where, uh, you know, they just put the camera on Urban Meyer, and he's just doing that little pose where – um, he's bent over, his legs are spread all apart, hands on his knees, and all you see is the top of his head. And he's just, and they just keep the camera on for a good like 10 seconds. They're like, oh, Urban, are you there? Like, I don't even think the game's that bad yet. I mean, I don't think, I think it was a first half shot. Hmm. I just, I just look at something like that and it gives me a little, a little bit of concern. And you even heard Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about it last night. They was talking about before the game, like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence comes in. He seems, you know, awful confident in this game. And like, well, we're not, we're not seeing the same thing with Urban Meyer. That's wouldn't that be a little disconcerting to you? I mean, this is one of the more like winnable games that you think you would have, and Urban Meyer's not confident. Why is that, man? I that's just I, I'm concerned about Urban Meyer at this point. I, I will tell you this, right? If if it if what you're saying is true, then I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna have to put some respect on uh, Matt Rule because Matt Rule came, Carolina was not looking so hot. And he came straight from college, and look at what he's doing in year two. Now, I know Urban Meyer's in year one, but Matt Rule wasn't over there on the sideline flopping around looking like it was the end of the world in year one either. He, he seen what he had to do. He adjusts. So I'm hoping Urban Meyer can make it through this year, and we don't see new coach of the USC Trojans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm with you. That, that wasn't a good look. That wasn't a good look at all. All right, so staying in the NFL, Sunday night football. Y'all know what it is. Um, NBC, we got the GOAT, Tom Brady going back down to, you know, 
going home for the first time, shall I say, as a visitor, going to play the New England Patriots and the other goat over there, as far as coaches go, Bill Belichick. Um, listen, folks, this ticket is the hottest ticket in town right now. I'm looking at the resale value, and it ain't cheap. So, with that said, Jay, how do you see this? How do you see the outcome of this game on Sunday night? I think uh, it's, it's I think it's going to be really hard for people to pick against Tampa Bay in this one because um, you know these are the defending Super Bowl champions. They they took one on the chin last week against the Rams. And I mean, if you know, you know, typically it's a, a good football team coming off a, a tough loss like that. Normally they have a lot to prove, you know, they come out highly motivated. And I think that's, what's going to happen uh, in this game. Plus like, I mean, I think you'll, you, you might get into some of the comments that have been made recently by, you know, the most high profile names in this game uh, between Bill and uh, Tom Brady. You know, I, I don't care. I don't much care what Tom Brady said. He might be the nicest dude, you know, on the camera and, you know, say all the right things, all that. But you, you know, and I know he, he wants this one. He's and he's going to, he's going to, he is going to shred this new England defense. That's what I believe is going to happen. Um, I do think uh, it is looking like Gronk is going to be doubtful in this game, which I think, I think that's a little bit of a shame. Uh, but I mean, even, even so they, they're going to get Antonio Brown back off the COVID list. You got you, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I mean, Gronk doesn't play. I mean, big deal. Maybe we'll get an OJ Howard sighting. That wouldn't yeah, that be something? Say, is OJ still on the with yeah. a real OJ? Please stand up. You know, like yeah. What are we doing? Cameron Bray. You know, list goes on and on. I like and I'd like to see this running game get going. You know, let's get let's get Leonard Fournette involved. You know, this is this is still a you know a top five pick in this league. He he's he's still got plenty of juice left. You just got to utilize him a little bit more. And maybe you should if you got a 44-year-old back uh, back there playing quarterback for you. I'm, and I'm looking at New England. New England's, I'm not, I just don't think they're very good. And if I think some of it has to do with, you know, I know I like Mac Jones. You know, this is a, he had a great seat. He had a, you know, he's a national champion. Uh, his stock improved tremendously. I mean, who would have thought that this guy, you know, would have been a first-round pick? when he, you know, was playing opposite Bo Nix, you know, a couple of years ago and throwing, you know, pick sixes, you know, like, and I thought the kid, I thought the kid had talent then, but I wasn't like, oh yeah, that's a first round pick. You know, the first round pick was a guy we was like, oh, that guy's on the sideline hurt. We'd like to see him right now. But look, but this, I think it's just, it feels like it's a little too early for him, even though it's not like he's the only rookie quarterback struggling. He might, he might, he might be the best one that's, playing so far because Lawrence and uh, Zach Wilson have struggled mightily so far. But I mean, look, you look at, you got a week one loss against Miami. You did beat the Jets. Wait, so That's great. You think, you think Matt Jones playing better than Justin Fields? Justin Fields don't count? I don't think, uh, I think Justin Fields, his QBR, and that's only one star, but it's like, it's single digits. Okay. So I, no, I don't think, I don't think he's playing that well so far. I feel like I'm being trolled right now. But New Orleans, look, New Orleans got them by 15 points um, in week in week three. This is this is Tampa Bay. I mean, I got I got to think Todd Bowles is going to have a lot of stuff dialed up for the rookie quarterback. You know, you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see Devin White. You know, on a lot of exotic blitzes. Uh, you might not have Jason Pierre-Paul, but you're still gonna have Shaq Barrett. You'll have Dominican Sue. You have Vita Vea just clogging up things. I mean, this this just feels like a textbook. 
you know, Super Bowl champion coming off their first loss in quite a while. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot to prove. And I, you know, I'm sure New England will be highly motivated as well. But the difference is the most highly in, uh, motivated individual for New England is going to be the coach. The most highly in, uh, highly motivated person for the Bucks is going to be the quarterback. So, I mean, Tom Brady's going to put up points and Bill can do all he want. He can prepare all they want. But no one on that football field, in my mind, is going to be playing with the same amount of intensity as Tom Brady. I think New England's going to – I think Tampa Bay, rather, that they're going to beat New England pretty soundly in this one. Uh, I'll I, I take the other shoe here. Um, I, I think this game, it won't be a blowout. I do – I take Tampa Bay to win the game, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Here, here's the deal. You know, um, it's going to be an electric, act, act, electric atmosphere in New England. Um, Tom Brady coming back home, the, the product of a son, he's coming home. I'm coming home, tell the world I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? They're going to open up the, the, the skies. He's going to come float. Fans out there, <laughs> Tom, we miss you, man. And I, I think what's going to go unnoticed here is it, we, we still got a game to play because we're going to relive the past and we still, you know, Tom, we love you, man, and, and Bill Belichick, and the media are going to try to make them like each other and shake hands at the middle of the field. Hey, how funny would that be if Tom Brady runs across the field and instead of Bruce Arians going over there to shake Bill Belichick's hand, it's Tom Brady. Like, that that would be awesome. But uh, I feel like this that this type of stuff is going to overshadow the game, and I think New England is going to sneak up on Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay – they feel like you. Hey, man, listen, we got the best quarterback in the game. They over here trying to figure it out. Well, this should be easy. But I look at it like this, man. New England defense ain't just – it's not like hot garbage. So I feel like they can do some things on the defense. And I feel like Matt Jones can make a couple of plays. Now, will those couple of plays matter enough to keep the game close? That's what we're going to find out. I do think this is a loss for New England, but I think it's more respectable. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think Mac Jones is going to get some numbers. I think that running game is going to get get started a little bit. Um, I would like to see more out of that offensive line, but that might be a problem. One thing that do work for New England, if JPP is not there, that that's one thing that's going to help their offensive line because that's one, one monster we don't got to deal with. We got to deal with his backup. Let's see if we can handle that. Um, but... You know, this this New England team, this might be the game for me that might actually make Bill step it up a notch. I mean, listen, played Miami. He's been beating Miami for 20, 20 you know, years. So he's like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, some of these other games, he might not really had a game yet this year that really makes him – and I know this this is this sound crazy because I'm talking about one of the greatest coaches of all time. But coaches can get stagnant. Especially when you're going through a new situation, which he is. This is a new situation. For so many years, New England was the king of the AFC East. They was the king. They was the crown. You had to go through them to to do anything in that division. Hell, you had to go through them to do anything in that conference for a very long time. Now, he's on, he's probably, he's at the bottom of the pole working his way back up. I think this is the game to get, you know, Nick Saban say this about Alabama all the time. Sometimes some games sell themselves, and in some games you got to motivate. You know, I got to motivate the boys to play. 
This game sells itself for New England, if you ask me. And I think Sunday night football, NBC, Chris Collinworth, Al Michaels on the ones and twos, electric atmosphere. You're the only thing to watch on Sunday night, New England at home. I really, I, I really think that atmosphere is going to benefit New England. I think this game is going to be closer. I would not be surprised if this, this game come down to a field goal, to be honest with you. Because uh, I honestly think we're going to undersell New England because of everything that Tampa Bay has accomplished to this point and everything New England hasn't to this point. But I, I, I give New England a, a little more juice, man. I think that defense will stymie the Tampa Bay offense every now and then. And I think Matt Jones will make enough, enough throws in the passing game. We'll see more out of the tight ends. Listen, because I ain't been blown away about Tampa Bay defense this year. I have not been blown away by that defense this year. I mean, you can move the ball on this defense. And I do think Matt Jones is a smart enough, capable enough quarterback to be able to move the ball. He don't put the ball at risk a whole lot. He makes smart plays. He makes the right plays. And I think if you make enough of those, I'll say this. It comes down to Mac Jones and how well he protects the ball. If he don't turn over the ball and be a turnover machine, this game will be a lot closer than what people think. He get out here and start flopping around throwing ducks and, and we, you know, Tampa Bay getting two, three extra possessions because of that, then, you know, I think you got the possibility of this game getting getting a little bit over early. But, hey, man, I'm, I'm on the opposite end, man. I think New England, New England keeps it close. I think a field goal separate the two teams, man. That's how I'm looking at it. All right, so y'all know what time it is. It's one of our favorite times of the show. We it's the week four preview of the NFL. We 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 just talked about New England and uh, and uh, Tampa Bay, so we're gonna try to not bore you with that over again. But um, a couple of games I wanted to mention. We got the three and Carolina Panthers uh, versus America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Um, then we got the big, which I would consider this the primetime game of the weekend if you take out um, Tampa Bay and New England. We got Arizona Cardinals and the uh, Los Angeles Rams, which probably the fight for the division, if you ask me. And then we got the real Pittsburgh Steelers um, visiting the uh, Green Bay Packers. So with all that said, what say you, Jay? What you looking for in this uh, this Sunday's action? You know, I'll start. Um, I'll start in. I'll start in Dallas with that. Uh, with this uh, somewhat surprising Carolina Panthers at three and zero taking on Dallas. That they give a Dallas four and a half in that one. So it's, uh, it's pretty good considering Carolina's been fantastic so far. Uh, they got the number one ranked defense, I believe. Uh, we saw how good they were on Thursday night against uh, last Thursday night against Houston. I know it's Houston with the rookie quarterback. I get it, but I mean they pulled the same trick against the Saints, and of course they. A little bit too much for the Jets as well. This is going to be this is definitely going to be a different challenge. So we'll see how that revamped uh, defense does. Remember, no JC Horn; he's out now, so that's going to make it somewhat challenging. Um, and we know Dallas. Dallas got one of the. This is a really good offensive football team. I think the past couple of weeks they've done a lot better. They've been more committed to the running game, which has made them more balanced and made them more unpredictable. Unlike that Week One performance against Tampa Bay where you got 58 passes and 11 runs. Uh, it's, just, it's just not it, guys. But they've look, they've corrected that. I think that's something they need to continue. I think they'll be better if they um, maintain that that sort of balance. So that one's very intriguing. I am a little surprised that the line is, is that big because Carolina's been highly impressive. Um, but it's going to be something. It's definitely, uh, you know, which style is going to prevail. 
I think the X factor is probably going to be Sam Donald. You know, can he continue, you know, his um, his fine play so far? I mean, the numbers haven't been big, but, uh, you know, the one number that's probably the most key for a team like this is the turnover numbers. And he's been he's taken care of the football quite well so far. So I think that's going to that's going to be a re- really fun one to watch. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Denver, Baltimore. That should that should be a really fun game. You know, two of the more, uh, I'd say, physical teams at this stage of the game. Um, De- Denver's defense, they, they, you talk about Carolina's defense. I think Denver's probably been the second best defense thus far. Um, and really not all that surprising. Von Miller is back. Um, in case you didn't know, he's got four sacks this season so far, at least one in every game. And he's out. Uh, look, Denver's defense, they'll have their hands full. We know how electric Lamar Jackson is. He has been a little bit. He's dealing with some sort of back issue, but I'm as far as I know, he will play. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a really intriguing matchup because Lamar Jackson, Vic Fangio, you know, what does Vic Fangio throw at Lamar Jackson? We've seen some really good defensive minds um, be able to make things very difficult for Lamar Jackson if they come out with a defense that, you know, they just able to be disciplined in their lanes. They keep their containment, set the edge. And if they do that, you know, sometimes Lamar Jackson has some real difficulty, you know, beating you from the pocket. So I'm really, I'm really interested to see what Vic Fangio has in store for Lamar Jackson. And then the same exact thing on the, uh, in this game as in Panthers Cowboys, what does Teddy Bridgewater do? He's been tremendous in the first three games so far. You talk about a guy, you know, just playing within himself, um, taking care of the football, but also playing, you know, extremely well. Uh, he's managing the game, you know, doing more than managing the game. You know, he's getting, uh, he's still trying to work Cortland Sutton 100% back in there. But Tim Patrick's been really good. They're down a couple guys right now in the receiving game with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, but you still got Noah Fant. You got a good one two punch with the rookie Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. So I, I think that's going to be a great game. It's the only pick em game this week. Um, and it is, it's Denver's first big test. We've seen Denver, they've taken care of, uh, they, they beat the Jets last week. They beat Jacksonville. They beat the Giants. None of those teams have won a game. So you talk about is a team for real. We've talked about with Cincinnati. We'll see how real Carolina is. This is, going, this is the first big test for Denver. I think they'll fare very well. And I, I, th- I think they'll end up winning the game. I think they're good enough to get it done. And then the, the other one I'm looking at is, uh, you know, I think Seattle and San Francisco, that's a, that's a pretty key game early on in the NFC West uh, with, with Seattle. I don't know what's gotten into them the past couple of weeks, but um, all of a sudden they look like the team that at this point, you know, you lose this game, you're going to be one and three and you can't afford to be, to get too far behind with, you know, teams like the Rams and the Cardinals, you know, they, they, they're three and oh, one of them will lose, but th- those teams look real. You know, you lose to San Francisco. I think you put yourself behind the eight ball a little bit too much. So, um, you know, I, I hope Seattle comes out with a little more fire and desperation because the last two weeks they've looked they've looked pretty ordinary. Do you think Seattle is the worst team in the um, NFC West? It's hard to say at this point. I mean, something something tells me like there's something, you know, there's a little fool's gold going on with Arizona. Uh, I know Kyler Murray's playing out of his mind right now, but there, there's something that tells me that they're they're going to fall back a little bit this week. It'll def it'll definitely uh, we'll definitely should know a lot more about them after how they do against the Rams because you know we're we're both feeling the Rams right now. 
but I don't want to, I don't want to take too much away from you in that game. But as of right now, Seattle does look like the best, the, the worst team right now in that division. I just think over time, I can't imagine that continues, but we're going to have to see. I'm, I'm going to say, just leaving, you know, starting off with that, I'm going to say Seattle is the worst team in the division. Only because when you look at those defensive numbers, they're not pretty, folks. They're not pretty. Especially you think they got the likes of, you know, um, if you if you took Jamal Adams and, and um, got Bobby Wagner out, out of the mix, like them the two, only two consistent players they got on that side of the ball. The rest of the defense ain't up to snuff. Um, I haven't seen Seattle play defense this bad since in the Pete Carroll era. Um, I know, you know, years ago it was like, oh, well, Seattle defense ain't as good as it used to be. Didn't really mean it wasn't good. It just wasn't as good as it used to be. It wasn't the Legion of Boom. Now I'm like, this defense is just not good. Not as it used to be. They're just not good. So that's, you know, I, I think Seattle right now is working to be the, the worst team in the NFC West. Now, um, let me all have to scroll on over here to this Panthers and Cowboys. You know, this I talked about Matt Rule in the early segment. Um, giving him his flowers for the job he's done with the Panthers. Uh, you know, I think it's remarkable what he did, what his coordinators done done, um, et cetera, et cetera, three and oh. And now you got you you traveling down to um the billion dollar playpen as they call it. Um you know, Arlington, Texas to go get you some of that Dallas Cowboys sauce. And I, I do think I agree with Vegas. I, I, I take the Cowboys in this game. I think the Cowboys will win this game. You know, I'm going to say probably, you know, maybe two field goals, six points, something like that. Um, and this, the reason being, you know, Carolina lost their number one cornerback, J.C. Horn, as you brought up. Um, and I, I want to see now, yes, Carolina, they was playing well when they had all their pieces. They're starting to lose pieces now. Can you play now that you're losing pieces? Because now you lost J.C. Horn. You lost Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, you, you it's starting to, you know, I want to know how Sam Darnold works under that pressure now. You don't got your, your bell card no more. You you got, I think it's Chub, Chubba Hubert, right? the guy from Oklahoma Chuba, State. Chubba Hubbard, yeah. There we go. You got him. We don't know what he can do. We don't know if he can carry the mail. It's probably a reason we don't know, though, because it was probably a reason why they, they split the carries 75% to 25% or something like that. I don't know if it's because of his talent or just because of Christian McCaffrey's contract, but I think it was a reason why the carries were split that way. Now we're going to see what you can do, you know, without, without your security blanket, per se, to me, um, back there in the back. Dallas, listen, they offense – even with the offensive line not being, the, you know, playing up to snuff that we used to them playing, that offense still can move the ball up and down the field. Like, now that Zeke is re-engaged and Tony Pollard is making the best of his snaps, then you got CJ, you, you got um, C.D. Lamb just all over the field. You got Blake Joran. You got, you know... You know the worst the worst wide receiver for them in the last couple of weeks been Amari Cooper. I mean, and yeah. people not even like losing sleep over it. I haven't heard right. like the sky ain't fall yet. Nope. You know, because C.D. Lamb has been just so good for them. I guess they just kind of like, eh. you know, Zeke. We got Zeke back. We got C.D. Hey, Amari, if you want to play, let us know. We got Join, in. Yeah. Join in whenever, man. 
You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about it, man. Hey, listen, we know everybody got to participate, so we get 100 on this project, but we know some people ain't going to participate, right? We just, hey, just sign it, man. Just sign it. It's fine. So, um, with what I've seen at the Dallas Cowboys offense, this, this Panther defense better be up to snuff as they have been in the first three weeks. This is, this is by far their toughest test. For their defense. This is by far their toughest test. I don't think they played the offense as good as this at all this year. Um, so I think this is their toughest test. Um, and then the Dallas Cowboys defense. Here's the deal. I know it was just the Eagles, and I know I got it. I got it. It was just the Eagles. But that defense, it already looks five times better than the defense looked at last year, at any point last year. At any given point, their defense did not look this good at all last year. The secondary seemed to have their head on straight. I, I kind of like what the defensive line doing without their highly paid leader, Demarcus Lawrence, up there. Hey, you you got a bunch of you know guys that you can you know get rid of at the end of the year. They up here making some plays. I'm just saying they making it happen. And the one thing that really impresses me about Dallas, and I'm gonna say this until I can't say this no more. They have a rookie and Michael Parsons that called the plays for the defense. Right. That is like that says so many good things about that kid, man. That he's a rookie. He's coming here. And I know a guy hit me with an argument. He was like, "Well, you know, he's he 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 could be the future. They could be starting early." Well, they're not. First of all, he's a rookie. You got like five dudes on the defense that get paid more than him. So. Usually, the guy that get paid more is the guy with the most responsibility. Usually, unless you know they just don't hack it. You got Demarcus Lawrence getting paid what he getting paid. You got Jalen Smith getting paid what he getting paid. Shouldn't one of those guys be the, the signal caller? No, no, no. We'll get Mar we'll get Michael Parsons. We'll get the rookie. that was and that was immediate too. We noticed that in week one. Right. Is that the green dot? That's the green dot. All right then. That's the green dot. So. And, and on top of that, because he's so well versed, he play like multiple, you know, positions without the game. Right. He'll start on the end and then be in the middle, then be an inside linebacker. And then, the the guy is the goods, evidently. And you know, I, I always was a fan of him. I, I was hoping he came over to Alabama, but you know, he he stayed over there and did his thing on the East Coast. Um, so I think that's impressive. So with that said. I definitely, I'm, I'm with Vegas. I think Dallas do, do win this game, and I think the Panthers get their first loss. Um, Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams. I think this is the highlight of the weekend. I know everybody's caught up with the New England and, and Tampa Bay game, and I got that. I ain't mad at you, but I think this is the game here um, because this is the game that's the winner of this game put themselves in the driver's seat for the division. This is the hottest division in football, people, this division. Being in the driver's seat of this division matters. It does matter. You want to be in the driver's seat of this. This might be the only division close to getting four teams into the playoffs if Seattle ever wakes up. Like, this is probably going to be the closest you get to that reality is from this division right here. Um, will it happen? Slim chances, no, because Seattle probably going to play their way out of this. But this is the closest you get to that. Um, and like you say, Arizona right now playing with house money. It might be fool's gold. But either way, for every win that they get, it's more fool's gold they get to play with, right? It's more <laughs> chips they get to play with. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, if the Cardinals lose, 
No, okay. They were supposed to lose to the Rams. If they win, right. what are the Rams doing? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why did the Rams lose? Maybe the Cardinals are good. So they they kind of in a win-win situation, if you ask me. Um, and then you got the and then they going on the road for the Rams. So I'm, you know. And listen, listen, Vegas only got this a four-point game. So for those that think the Rams is just so much better than Arizona, clearly Vegas don't agree with you. Not saying Vegas know everything, but they know a lot. Um, so, I, 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 and, you know, I, I think the Rams probably win this by a field goal. I do think it's a close game. But I, I, guarantee, I can almost guarantee you this. We're going to leave this game thinking, like, hey, the Cardinals are for real. The Cardinals can play. They, they, they're going to be competitive in this division. And then the last game I wanted to hit on, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers, like I said, listen. Oh, buddy. Hey, listen, it's what a time it is. You remember the times where, where the Steelers just was out here having their way with the They had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Big Ben gave a rip and you had an offensive line that was pretty good. And Mike Tomlin, you know, he was doing his thing. And, you know, Pittsburgh, the Steel City, hard workers. Oh, we looking good out here, baby. And what, about five, six years later, no one know where Le'Veon at. He's still trying out for some team. Antonio Brown finally getting this act together with Tampa Bay. Big Ben still ain't working out. And they say he hurt, but then he still play. And I don't know what that's about. And Pittsburgh is looking real shabby right now. Ah, they're looking kind of shabby out there. Um, the offensive line is terrible. Um, it's almost like, what are we doing here when you draft a, uh, you draft the running back in the first round, which everybody agreed that was the running back you should have drafted in the first round if you was going to draft one. However, you kind of need people to block for him. Or it's a wasted pick, you know, because – if he can't do anything, I what was the point? What was the point? You might as well just drafted an offensive lineman. You might as well. And then drafted a lesser grade running back later in the draft. Because this is not going to cut it. All right? You got the Statue of Liberty back there, um, Big Ben. And then you got Najee Harris here. He can't even buy a hole to run through. He's sitting here at a machine trying to nest it. Can I get a hole to the left? Can I get a 32 dive hole? Can I get it? You know. He, he ain't getting none of that. None of that. I mean, the man can't get no room to run the ball. Big Ben is stuck in the mud back there. The Steelers are in trouble. And then you got Green Bay. Green Bay, people are still on their case about the week one loss. They still on their case about that. Like, listen, we ain't forgot about the way y'all looked at week one. Even though they've been looking like a different team since, it's still people. We seen what we seen. All right, Aaron? That was unacceptable. So, I think, you know, Vegas got them six and a half. That tells me that um, they think the Packers are going to pull away at some point in this game, probably in the fourth quarter. They're going to get that. They're going to, you know, get a possession lead at some point and probably just wind this clock out or whatnot. But I do think six and a half show respect to the Steelers. A lot more respect to the Steelers than I would show them at this point. Um, I'm, I would have been like 14 points in this thing because I, I just, yeah, I'm telling you, because I think the Packers' offense is good enough to move it against the Steelers' defense, but I don't think the Steelers' defense, uh, offense is going to be good enough to consistently move the ball against the Packers' defense. And I'm not even enamored with the Packers' defense. Matter of fact, I don't even care for the Packers' defense. But I think it's good enough to stop this stymie, lackluster offensive line that Pittsburgh got. 
and they're going to force Big Ben to throw another 58 times. So good luck with that. Um, so that's why I'm fascinated with that game. So, yeah, man, they're my quick hitters for week four. All right, we now move over to the college football landscape where we uh, looks like we've definitely improved over uh, last week's um, lackluster slate that saw me run down to Myrtle Beach for a day. Um, so now what we have is on noon at ESPN, we got number eight, Arkansas. We got number two, Georgia. Should be a good one in the SEC. Then we got at 2.30 over on NBC, we've got the Cincinnati Bearcats, and that's going to be their last Power 5 challenge. They'll get the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And then it's Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban getting back together in Tuscaloosa with number 12, Ole Miss, and number one, Alabama at 3.30 on CBS. You know the music. I won't even do it this time. Uh, also got a, you know, a ranked, uh, ranked action in the uh, Big 12 on ESPN2 at 7 with Baylor and Oklahoma. And a whole lot more. There's some, there's some other above-average action. Oh, 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 you got to say Oklahoma State. got to say Oklahoma State. Oh, excuse me. Oklahoma, Baylor and Oklahoma State. You're right. Yeah. So with that in mind, Drink, uh, what are you most looking forward to on Saturday? Woo! Yeah, this weekend, hey, this Saturday actually going to have your boy out here snapping into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah! Um, so, I'm, uh, listen, of course, the two SEC games. Um, you know, number eight, Arkansas going, visiting um, number two, Georgia. Oh, man, that's going to be a barn burn. I really hate that it's a noon game, but then I say, you know what? You know, I, I mean, I would rather, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, the scheduling that goes go into this, and we just wonder, like, in what world do more people want to see Indiana going to Penn State at 730 over Arkansas going to Georgia? Like, with both of those teams playing the way they playing in what world? But we ain't the contract guys. We ain't privy to how that works. So we, we, we just stay with what they tell us. So with that being noon on ESPN, ESPN I think is getting a, a pretty good one for noon. Um, and listen, Vegas say 18 points on Georgia. After all we've seen out of Arkansas to this point, Vegas wow. said 18 points. Everybody, you this for Ole Miss in Alabama is 14 and a half. Alabama. Yeah. Vegas saying Georgia, they giving Georgia 18 points over Arkansas. You think so that what, you think that has anything to do with? Uh, I think Ole Miss kind of they gave Bama maybe the best shot anyone did last year, right? Fairly early in the they, season. They, they, hey, they threw up four to eight points on them. Hey, <laughs> four to eight points. You know what I'm saying? You tell most people, hey, they scored four to eight points on Alabama. Well, Alabama lost. No, actually, they won. They had a historic offense that just yeah. kept them in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but with that said, I mean, still though, you know, this is a top ten matchup. You know, that's a top 10 matchup. Alabama and Ole Miss is a top 12 matchup. So you think right. two teams, two teams in the top 10 in the same conference, yeah, opposite divisions, you you know, you think it'll be a little tighter than that. Like 14 and a half, I can buy that. I could buy that for an SEC ranked matchup. 18, I'm like, hey, we're we working with, you know, three possessions. Like, ugh, woo. No. With that said, I'm hearing that JT Daniels might be questionable for the game, which means Stetson Vincent going to come in. Let me tell you something. If that dude comes in and Georgia still covers, I'm telling you, now I'm going to start seeing what people are saying. Because a lot of people are saying Arkansas might be a little fool's goal because they played Texas. That was a good win. I ain't taking that from them. 
But that Texas A&M win, the only reason I give them credit because it was a neutral site game, and, and and it was in Texas, so that thing was rocking. But that quarterback Texas A&M roll out. Listen, the dude Georgia gonna roll out. Whoever they roll out is gonna be better than the guy Texas A&M rolled out. I'm telling you that now. And Joe, <laughs> woo, that that quarterback. They they saying, hey, Arkansas might be on their third string quarterback too. And if that's true, if that's true. <laughs> Georgia ain't the team you want to roll in on your third string quarterback. I'm just saying. You ain't trying to play that defense on your third string quarterback. Because most teams ain't even trying to play that defense with their first string quarterback. Let's know third string. That defense is serious. So, I listen, I think Georgia covers. I really do. I think Georgia covers. I think they show us a lot of the holes that we haven't seen with Arkansas up to this point. I think they forced the issue on that. And I think they show that. Um... Then number we, the 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 second top ten matchup we got number seven Cincinnati, um they they're two point favorite over number nine Notre Dame um group of five this is what I'm gonna say for you group of five teams y'all better be the biggest Cincinnati pep rally cheerleaders ever every group of five team should have on a Bearcat sweater when this game is on. And they should have the pom-poms raving. And they should be like, Ritter, do it, Ritter. You can do it, pal. You can do it, Lou Fickle. Because I'm telling you right now, Cincinnati win this game. They got it. They're going to be, this year, they're going to be in a very good position for a playoff spot. This year. With so much uncertainty outside of Alabama and Georgia, they will be in position for a playoff spot, right? Notre Dame. You... You might, we might go on pencil Notre Dame in if they mess around and win this game. Because, like, I understand that we don't like the way they winning and they don't look like Notre Dame per se, but they're winning. And they're winning, they're beating quality opponents. I mean, I'm not talking about the Florida State stuff, but, you know. Cheap shot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, George. But. This the winner of this game, I think, is really in the driver's seat to catch one of those playoff spots. And I think this is a really big game. This is probably one one of the most important games this weekend because Georgia could lose to Arkansas and still make the playoffs. Alabama could lose to Ole Miss and possibly still make the playoffs. But the loser of this game might might I don't I don't know if Notre Dame can make it if they lose to Cincinnati. And I don't know if Cincinnati can make it if they lose to Notre Dame. So this is, this is probably the most important game of the weekend is Cincinnati versus Notre Dame. So I'm very interested in that. Um, yeah, and I, I, I probably – I'll take Cincinnati. I, I like the two points for Cincinnati. I, I just think – I believe in a quarterback more than I believe in old Jack Cone. No, no, hold on. Yeah, Jack Cone. Yeah, then I believe in Jack Cone down there in Notre Dame. Um, I think the, the kid Ritter is doing a little bit more. And, you know, I'm just, I, I like Lou Fickle more than I like um, Brian Kelly there. So – I leave that at that. Then we got number twelve Ole Miss going in, um, t- coming out of Tuscaloosa, getting some of that spice over there. And Brian Denny, um, coming with number one Alabama, fourteen and a half spread on that. And like you said, last year Ole Miss was the closest team to Alabama. I know people want to say Florida, yeah, Florida. Listen, Alabama was in prevent defense for the second half of that game. Like, mm-hmm. yes, Florida mm-hmm. scored some points. Yes, Florida. Yes, they 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 wasn't even like putting no pressure on, on trash back there. So, yes, did Ole Miss play Alabama about the best of any team last year, in my opinion. But 
two things last year. The element of surprise and Ole Miss was at home. You don't get neither one of those this time around. This is why I think it's a 14 and a half spread. Because now you're coming to Tuscaloosa and now Nick know what you got over there. He know how you what you what you bring in. So now you can prepare for that. And I'm willing to bet Nick was preparing for Ole Miss for the last two weeks because he knew Ole Miss had a bye week last week. So they was gonna be able to rest and you know do their thing. I'm I'm fairly confident. Last year when they I mean last week when they was playing Southern Miss, they was implementing things for Ole Miss. Right? So I think Alabama will be more prepared this year. I don't think it's going to be, you know, whoever scored the last score or whatever it was last year. Um, and then the Big 12 showdown, uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. I don't – I haven't watched Baylor play not one time this year. Um, and I might have watched <laughs> a quarter of Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah. So, you know, 7 o'clock on ESPN2, that tells you something right there. Who – ESPN two, yeah, all right. So, you know, I guess it's better than ESPN plus. Either way, um, they got three and a half for Oklahoma State, um, and I, I guess I'm gonna agree with that. So, that's that. I, I, but I don't really got anything for this game. I, these teams have done nothing impressive to me this year. And then um, we got Indiana going to Penn State. Whoop the f and do. Um, you know, Penn State twelve and a half, seven thirty. This game. Listen, I, I, I got why everybody's so hyped with Indiana because, you know, they played Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden Cincinnati smoked them in the fourth quarter. And then last year they looked like they was promising and this, that, and the third. Penn State better win this game by 21 or more points. Oh, I don't want to hear nothing else about how elite they are. This game better be a 21-point or greater um, margin of defeat. Because if you don't go out here and smoke Indiana at home, I, I, I want to know why they're so elite. I really want to know why Penn State's supposed to be so elite. You, you barely got crap, that crap you pulled with Auburn, and we just seen Auburn struggle with um, some Division 5 team over the weekend, right? <laughs> and they had to bench Bo Nix and bring in the uh, old Finley, the guy that couldn't even hack it at LSU, and he came down to Auburn. So that just tells me Auburn is a real S show out here. It's a real clown show. And you you only beat them by eight, and then you barely beat Wisconsin. So I don't, I don't want to hear all this. Oh, they elite powerhouse. You put them up there with Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, all right. Yeah, sure. So they that better be twenty one points. And then old Michigan on Big Fox noon. So Jay, we were just talking about this. You know, this is the third time Wisconsin gonna be on uh, Big Noon. They getting a lot of airtime, ain't it? They getting a lot of promo out here on these streets, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Badgers get <laughs> but I don't know why, but they are. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh, I think they take care of that game. I really do. Um listen, Vegas got two points on Wisconsin, which kinda got me like, oh. But I I I, I don't know. I think Vegas is out here trying to they out here with the as Nick Saban call it, the rat poison. I think um Michigan gonna um, take care of this one. I'm, I'm gonna take Michigan in that one. And then um, number three, Oregon, eight-point favorite over Stanford. Uh, that's your that's your three-thirty ABC game. Um, for those that will be watching that game, I, I, it must be Pac-12 fans because how would you watch that game over Ole Miss and Alabama? I don't know. But with that said, 
you know, I think Oregon take care of business. That I, I haven't seen anything out of Stanford that makes me believe that they're going to really put a scare in Oregon. It, no, even with an unhealthy team, Oregon probably going to bag them up. Do you want paper or plastic? I think Oregon take care of business in that game. So, yeah, man, that's my preview of uh, week five in college football. Yeah, um, the SEC games are the, the headliners uh, for me. Um, I think for every team in there, a loss isn't uh, devastating because you can likely – you'd have a somewhat of a chance to, you know, run the table up to the SEC championship game and you'd have a shot. That's just the nature of playing in the SEC, although especially for uh, the, lo- the loser of Alabama and the loser of Alabama and Ole Miss um, – that that's going to be tough. That's going to be a little bit tougher because you know you play on the same side of the of the uh, of the conference. So you know Alabama wins, Ole Miss loses the tiebreaker. So you'd have to, you know, Alabama would have to lose two games. You know, so that, that's going to be somewhat difficult, but not out of the question. So but those those are clearly the headliners game. But I, I really I really like Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Um, re- really looking forward to that one. It's uh, like I said, it's, it's Cincinnati's last last chance against a Power Five team. We saw what they did against Indiana. They, they were uh, they got off to a really slow start in that one, but they were able to overcome it, uh, you know, down the line. And I, I'm there's a couple of lines that really stand out to me, and this is one of them. They given they given Cincy two points on the road, and I think that's I think that says a lot. That is that is a great deal of respect for Cincinnati, and maybe it's also like yeah. I don't know about Notre Dame. They still, they still got the. I hate picking on, but they still got the Florida State tape just rolling around their head. Um, so, I, but I will say, I mean, look, Notre Dame beat Wisconsin by four touchdowns. They just played the fourth quarter of their lives last week. But um, that that line really stood out to me. And the other line was Wisconsin and Michigan. How, Wisconsin gets their doors blown off last week, and it and they're they're the favorites against Michigan. I'm going to tell you, yeah, the big noon stuff, if Wisconsin comes out here and gets embarrassed, they got to be, they have to be banned from big noon for the rest of the season. You just can't allow this. You can't allow this continuation of just, you know, putting a team up there and just, just go back to the default stuff, Fox. Just pick, just flip-flop between Ohio State and Oklahoma and let it be that. For Michigan, on the other hand, listen, if Michigan don't win this game, I know he's not getting fired, but we, we know that because look, Michigan, Michigan is doing some stuff this year. I really like their they, they're running the football with purpose. Th- that seems to be their identity right now. But if you come out here and lose to a team that is just they, they haven't they didn't look like they belonged on the field in the fourth quarter last week. Their one win is against Eastern Michigan. Now you're playing the whole state of Michigan. So you, please, please. Jim Harbaugh, and you make sure you got your khaki pants cinched up tight this week, and get a win against a team against a program that kind of sort of matters. I'm not sure we're gonna think any differently about Michigan if they win, because like, well, maybe Wisconsin is really bad. Come on, Paul, Chris, let's tighten up a little bit. But if you lose this game, it's gonna be the the same old Jim Harbaugh hate mail fan club with Paul Feinbaum probably leading it. You know, the same old, same old. So let's let's at least let's postpone that, please. I got to be honest with you. Baylor, Oklahoma State, that's probably why I didn't even read it right. I just forget the state. I'm over here thinking it's Spencer Rattler playing Baylor. I, I don't – God, I don't find that game interesting at all for some reason. So I'm, I'm not even going to worry about that one. Uh, I think in addition to Indiana-Penn State, there's another sneaky one. 
um, in the Big Ten on primetime. FS1's got Iowa and Maryland. Maryland, I don't, I don't think they've played anybody particularly good, but they are 4-0. We know how good – uh, That's tonight, right? That, oh, it that is tonight. Is tonight, yeah. That is tonight. So that's in 30 minutes. So if we get out of here, we might be able to uh, catch it real quick and see <laughs> if Maryland is any good. But we know – listen, we know Iowa's done some things so far this season, or at least we think, because as it turns out, it doesn't appear Iowa State's very good. But uh, look, if there's nothing else, Iowa's got a great defense. And as of this time, you got a, a, a two a two-team race right now. For um, the Big Ten, you got uh, Iowa on the west side, Penn State on the, on the east side. And uh, look, some of the usual suspects, you know, they're not really in the conversation right now, especially on this program. Ohio State getting Rusker, Rutgers. Hopefully they get healthy against them. I think Oklahoma, who's Oklahoma playing? I think, oh, Oklahoma's got Kansas State. We've seen them trip up against Kansas State before. And we also, we Oklahoma's been pretty sketchy so far. They haven't really looked great in, I don't think, any of their games. Uh, and then... You got, well, oh, Clemson has been relegated to uh, the ACC network and the complete back of the line in the, in the top 25. You, and you got old Feinbaum talking about, oh, it's over for Dabo. The dynasty's over. So not that that means anything, but they, they don't, they have not looked particularly good so far. Barely beat Georgia Tech. And then they lost their second game last week against uh, NC State. So we'll see if they can uh, get back on track, but I'm not that hopeful. All right, time to finish off the show with rap reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take us away, drink. Let's roll, baby. The NCAA is considered holding a joint Final Four down the road with the men's and women's tournament playing their national semifinals and final games in the same city. Jay, do you like this idea? I do. If for nothing else, if they have it in the same city, I bet they get the weight rooms right. On Wednesday, Brooklyn Nets superstar Kevin Durant told the media outside pressure will not affect the team's performance on the court this season. Do you agree with him? No. Outside pressure always affects the team. These professionals, I don't, I don't know who they think they be uh, fooling out here. The <laughs> pressure is what caused anything. That's what caused the big paydays. That's what caused the collapse. That's what caused everything. So, yes, it's going to affect them. Good, good try, Kevin. Good try. Try it again, buddy. The Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros clinched their respective divisions on Thursday night. Jay, which team do you consider the bigger postseason threat? Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Houston on that one. Uh, I think Atlanta's to be respected with uh, what they've done, especially without the services of uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. But all those trades that they made a tra trading deadline to just remake that whole outfield. Uh, you got Ozzy Albies, you got Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman. Their offense, you know, it's been tremendous. Uh, I think their pitching, though, is probably going to think that'll uh, you know have them come up short against Milwaukee and uh, Houston. I think that's the difference. I think both teams have great offenses. I think Houston's got a little bit better starting pitching, and that's why I go with Houston. Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James says the energy at this year's training camp is up significantly over last year's training camp. Uh, do you attribute that more to the longer offseason, or does it have more to do with all LeBron's new teammates? Yeah, I, I say both. Long offseason for sure. I mean, you they only had 71 days last offseason. So, yeah, good luck with the energy there. You're still trying to recover, right? But then you got you got rid of a lot of guys that you brought in that was just like they got overhyped on their way in, the Mark Rassals, the Dennis Schroeders. Um, now you got guys that's going to come in here and, you know, they know it's coming to the end. You know, Westbrook, Carmelo, um, you know, Dwight Howard second run. Um um, Rondo's second run. So you got guys in here that know LeBron know he's coming to the end of his run as well. Um, so I, I, I think 
you know, I think both things contribute, and I, you know, good. I'm I'm glad to see that. You know, what I'm saying let's keep that energy up and let's turn this into some wins. 76ers uh, big man Joel Embiid described the situation with teammate Ben Simmons as disappointing and kind of borderline disrespectful on Thursday. Is Embiid right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, th I think you're seeing now, like, when you're seeing more and more public statements being made by, you know, guys like this in Philadelphia, like, to me, this just, you know, I, I don't, I think we've reached a point where it's, it's a point of no return. Like, Ben Simmons has to go. Um, some of Embiid's comments were like, you know, because Ben Simmons said, oh, well, I think we've done more to build around Joel Embiid. And Embiid's like, no, no, actually, we've done uh, more to build around you, like letting go of my boy Jimmy Butler. We see that how, you know, much of a, not a great move that was. So, um, you know, I think I think MB's absolutely right. Uh, the only thing I would say is like, don't give me the kind of borderline crap. When you use like two consecutive adjectives, just say you, it's it's disrespectful. That's what you think, and and we know it. So, but yeah, I, I agree with him. I, I think he's absolutely right. Coast left guard Quentin Nelson will miss his first game of his career on Sunday against the Dolphins after starting the first fifty-one games of his career. Does this news move the needle in this game, or did you have the Dolphins no matter what? No, it, it moves the needle. Um, I, I, I don't even got the Dolphins after him not playing, to be honest with you. It's just because the coast offensive line is pretty good. And the, listen, the Dolphins offensive line is terrible. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brissett ended up on the same stretch of tool was on. Like, that offensive line is terrible. So, and the Colts actually play defense. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the coach in the game regardless. But, you know, when you got a guy that was a stable of your offensive line like Quinn Nelson was, first-round pick, and he never missed the game, it hurts a little bit just because he's missing the game and you're not used to that. So, yeah, man, but, yeah, I'm taking the coach in that one for sure. It's been quite a week for the St. Louis Cardinals starter Aaron Rainwright. The 40-year-old received a one-year extension and was announced he'll start the National League wildcard game for the Red Hot Red Birds. Which development is the bigger deal to you, Jay? I'd say the um, I'd say starting the National League wildcard game. You know, if you look at this team beginning of the season, you know, I spent some time talking about Jack Flaherty. Uh, you had Miles uh, Michaelis as well. Um, and that, to have a guy who's forty years of age, who you know, in the past couple of years, you know, I didn't you know see a whole lot from for him to you know have such a great season that he did, and now to be starting uh, you know the National League wildcard game for his team. Um, I, th I think that's a little bit more of a big deal for me than uh, than the extension. Uh, Madden was nice enough to give Ravens kicker Justin Tucker the prestigious 99 rating after Tucker's record-setting and game-winning 66-yarder that was the difference against the Lions, and he's only the fifth kicker to get the 99 rating in the history of the video game. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Oh, that's a big deal. You said it. He's only the fifth kicker out of how many kickers we'd have had in this game since this game been around. He's only the fifth kicker. And listen – if quarterbacks and wide receivers and defensive linemen and linebackers can get mad about it, why can't a kicker? The kicker have responsibility too. I know people say a kicker's not a real position. All right, until you don't got one, right? And then you tell me how real that position is then, right? So um, I think it's a big deal for Justin Tucker, man. And I think Madden got it right. I think he deserves to be a 99 um, player because he, he's pretty automatic and he's been doing it for a long time. Go to State forward, Draymond Green said he doesn't believe that it's his place to lobby teammate Andrew Wiggins to get the COVID, the COVID vaccine. Do you agree with him? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. This is something. This is something we've hammered uh, pretty good in our previous shows. I'm not going to get into it, you know, all that much. But I, I will say, I thought, you know, I read some of Draymond Green's comments. You know, he was pretty thorough uh, on this during his media session. This is probably the topic he devoted the most time to. I'd encourage anybody if you got time to go back and listen what he what he said. Pretty pretty common sense stuff to me. Last one, the more even. It's UFC Vegas 38 Santos versus Walker on ESPN and ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a light heavyweight fight between the number five ranked contender, Thiago Santos, and the number 10 ranked contender, Johnny Walker. Drink who you got. Um, I'm go- this, this, is, this is a tough one. I'm going to take Johnny Walker. Uh, Johnny Walker been on like a two-fight losing streak. Uh, Thiago Santos, he, he, Santos, he just came off a loss himself. However, the problem is I think – Santos is a is a bit of like long layoff rust. Johnny Walker was a bit of he got out to a hot start and then he got neutralized. So with all that said, I think Johnny Walker is gonna get back to the winning snot. Uh, I'm gonna take him by submission, um, and, and and I'm gonna take him as the winner of, of that fight. All right, well that concludes tonight's drink of wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday, and you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom.